Jack, relax. Get busy with the facts. No zodiacs or almanacs. No maniacs and polyester blacks. Just the facts. Gonna kick some gluteus max. It's a parallax, you dig? You move around, the small gets big. It's a rig, it's action, reaction, random interaction. So who's afraid of a little abstraction? Can't get no satisfaction from the facts? You better run, homeboy. A fact's a fact from Gnome to Rome, boy. What's the deal? Spin the wheel. If the dice are hot, take a shot. Play your cards. Show us what you got. What you're holding. If the cards are cold, don't go folding. Lady Luck is golden. She favors the bold. That's cold. Stop throwing stones. The night has a thousand saxophones. So get out there and rock. And roll the bones. Get busy. Hey, welcome to Rushcast. My name's Jay Mantis. Thanks for being here. We're back. We took a, a little bit of a break. Uh, I had been doing episodes every single week. and You are a very thin man. Sometimes you run out of stuff to talk about when you do it every single week for over a year and a half. So um, we took a small break, and now I'm back. We talked about this before we left, about how when we come back and we do more episodes, we're going. I'm only going to do an episode when I have enough quality material to fill an episode, right? For your benefit and for my benefit. So now we've done that. I've got, um, I've got a bunch of material for you, uh, for me to say to you. And and most of this, you know, a good portion of this is, uh, I guess, crowdsourced. You could say like it's it's from you guys. It's from listeners. Uh, you can join our mailing list by sending me an email, rushcast g uh, rushcast twenty one twelve at gmail So a lot of this is from listeners. It, you know, it's listener input now. Uh, I think we're going to have more fun now that we're not every week because it's giving me more time to create quality content. So we'll see how this goes. It'll be fun either way, I think. Hope everybody had a good new year. So before the new year, time stand the Time Standstill documentary came out. Uh, a lot of people emailed me and said, hey, what did you think of it? Um, I work Thursday nights. I teach violin lessons, believe it or not. Uh, every Thursday night. And thurs- Thursday was the only day of the week they aired the documentary in the theaters, so I didn't see it lo- uh, when you guys saw it. And I really would have liked to, because when I saw Beyond the Lighted Stage in the theater, that was a- one of the coolest moments I've had outside of an actual Rush show. So I was hoping to get to experience that again. Anyway, uh, my dad purchased the the Blu-ray of the documentary, and the when I went upstate to Albany for the holidays, uh, I was at my parents' place and I watched it. Um, I'm sure my dad's listening, and I I he'll find out right now that I stole that Blu-ray when I came back so that I could watch it again closer to this recording. I'll give it back, maybe. And so I mean, let's talk about it briefly. I don't think there's much to say. You know, it's funny, I, you know, when we did the live album series, I would sit down and watch R30, for example, with a notebook, and I'd fill up a page and a half of notes to talk about. Uh, I watched this documentary, and I wrote in big letters, uh, time stands still, doc, and underlined it at the top of the notebook page, and I didn't write a single thing down for the whole movie. I didn't write, I had nothing to say. Uh, there's one big point I want to make about this documentary, and it's a good point, it, it, meaning it's a, a point of optimism. 
for people like you and me. But there was nothing else to say. You know, it's it's story. It's very um, emotional stories from people that have had a lot more hardships in their life than I have, and 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 Rush has touched their lives in in uh, I guess more important ways than it has touched my life. And that it was fun and entertaining from that perspective. Uh, I guess there was some news. You know, they come out right out of the gate with the three of them talking in very dark and brooding, as Alex says about his, uh, um, what is his grandson's painting? It's very dark and brooding, but maybe my favorite moment. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think... They, 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 they definitely didn't wait. They didn't make us wait for that. It would have been easier, I think, to just put it at the end, but I'm glad they didn't. They just came right out of the gate, and they were like, hey, uh, this ain't looking so good. You know, so um, here's my takeaway. I think this is a good thing. I think, by the way, this thing was spoiled for me the, the next day. People were emailing me and saying, I know you didn't see it, but, like, here's what happened. <laughs> Not that I don't want you to email me, but, um, you know, I got the idea very quickly that it, they kind of called it quits, and I thought, good. Yes, I said, good. I'm glad they uh, essentially said, yes, we're done. We, we, we're not going to do anything else. I'm so happy about that. Here's why. Because they're in, a, in an alternate reality, in a parallel universe, it could have went something like this. Uh, they play R40. Their tour is over. They give themselves two years off where they say, we're not going to talk about music for two years. We're not, you're right. We're, we're just going to take a break for a couple of years. Or maybe even they said, we'll take one year off. You get to the end of that year, they're like, eh, we're going to take one more off. An additional year, we'll make it two years. You get to the end of that two years and Getty and Alex are like, hey, let's write some music. They write some music. They don't really like it. Kind of like a Vapor Trails thing. They say, eh, we'll, we'll wait a little bit longer. And a year goes by. They write some more music. They like it this time. They send it to Neil. Neil says, I'm not ready to do this yet. I, do, I still don't want to make any music. And we play this game for the next decade. For the next 10, 12 years, we sit around and wait for those three to agree with each other. Right? In our reality, in our universe... They came out, what, a year or less? When did the R40 tour end? Last fall? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, right about a, a year ago, I think. Maybe a year and a half ago. Um, they come out and go, you know what? Uh, this looks like it's it. Great. We're being decisive. That is such a great thing. Because here's how I see the future. If you're still thinking, I don't understand how is this good. How's this a good thing for us? You can see in Getty's face, that guy is burning to make more music. He can't, he has to. You can, you can smell it. Like his soul needs to create more music, right? And now, and and maybe a little bit on Alex's end too. He's got, he's, you know, his hands are bothering him, his wrists. But I still think he wants to make more music. We're going to get a solo album, you guys. In, in that alternate u- that uh, alternate universe, they sit there and go, are we Rush? Are we not Rush? Are we Rush? Are we going to do this again? Are we not going to do this again? For 10 years, 
And then after 10 years, Getty's not going to make any more music. He'll be just as pooped out as Neil. But in this universe, they go, Neil says, nope, I, I can't do it, guys. Let's just, let's just cut it off here, go out on a high note. And, <laughs> and Getty goes, well, all right. Uh, I mean, I think we get another solo album from Getty, from Getty Lee. It, within a year, I bet there's an, out, an announcement. Even if it's so so much as him saying, uh, I'm, I'm, I've been writing for a month, I want to do a new solo project. Even if it's him just saying, yes, I'm writing, I'm going to look for people to play with, or maybe me and Ben Mink are doing some stuff, that'd be cool. Just like uh, my favorite headache, bring Ben back in. Or maybe he has other friends we don't even know he's friends with, other musicians he wants to write with. But I think this happens. And I think it's hard for you to disagree. I mean... Uh, I would love to hear My Favorite Headache Part 2. My Favorite Headache really grew on me. And I think that's what happens. I think Alex does something. A lot of people are like, oh, they'll do stuff together and get a new drummer. We know that's not going to happen. They've they've said it, I think it was Beyond the Lighted Stage, where he said, we're not going to do Rush if the three of us aren't involved. It just can't happen. And that's totally true. But I think Getty goes off, he takes a year off, and then just says... I'm ready to make music. I'm going to do it now. He knows he's running out of time. It's in, you know, before his, that that was very dark of me to say, but uh, you know, you, the older you get, the more your your body says I can't do this anymore like Alex. You don't think Getty's looking at Alex and going, "When are my wrists going to do that? When when am I going to get to the point where my hands don't play the bass anymore or I can't sing the way I want to anymore?" So I think the the bottom line here, I'm rambling. A good place to ramble is a podcast, by the way. Uh, the bottom line is, yes, be decisive. Are you going to play anymore or are you not? They did that. They said, now we're not going to play anymore. We get a new solo album. I think within two years, we have a new album. Within two, Write it down. That J-Mance has said this in January 2017. Within two years, by January 2019, we will have... A Getty Lee solo album. I firmly believe that. That's why I think this, the decisiveness of the Time Standstill documentary was a great thing. So my dad sends me this uh, these two CDs, maybe like four or five months ago, because uh, we're he's a huge Billy Joel fan, and subsequently I grew up on Billy Joel. I really like the deep cuts in his catalog, uh, and, and all of his catalog. He found this, I forget what he found it, where he found it, but it was like a live recording he had never, my dad had never heard before, and it was, they played a lot of deep cuts he had never heard live or didn't know he ever played lives, one of those deals. He sends it to me, and uh, the energy was amazing. I listened to it recently, and was like, wow, you know, the whole band was full of enthusiasm, and and, uh, Billy Joel would do a lot of off-the-cuff stuff, a lot of... Uh, improvising in between you know vocal lines or whatever he was really expanding the songs live and my that's something my dad always loved and as we talked about this we kind of debriefed after I listened to it and he's like my dad says I'm so angry at Billy Joel (laughs) I'm so disappointed in the fact that he's phoning it in now he's playing these like matt he has essentially has a residency at madison square garden he plays there every month plays some other east coast shows too i believe 
every once in a while with his band. But he's like, if you listen to the recordings, he's he's totally phoning it in. He doesn't do any of the fancy stuff. He's playing the most watered down versions of his songs. Uh, he can't sing like he used to, or he chooses not to. One of them. And it's kind of disappointing. He's like, my dad says, I have no interest in seeing him live anymore. It's just a cash grab. Uh, it's it's there's no heart in the music. And I th- I said to him like, hey, like another silver lining to the Time Stand Still documentary, right? You can't tell me Rush is has started phoning it in with Clockwork Angels, right? Quite the opposite. They haven't gone downhill at all. In fact, they're still climbing. So the fact that they cut it off, I know it like it doesn't feel any better to be like, oh, they went out on top. I know that doesn't make us feel any better, but that is what essentially will have happened. For everything I've said about the garden, I love the fact that the garden might be the last song they ever created. Cause it's a you know, an artistic masterpiece. You can say the same for that whole album. So more silver linings to this. You should, you should feel good about the Time Standstill documentary. I know some people are like, I watched it once, I can't watch it again, or whatever. Um, and if you're saying that for emotional reasons, I get it. I was, you know, it was emotional to watch. But um, I think down the road, we'll, we'll be happy that they were so decisive about it. Hey, Jay. It's Jason Vaughn, your friendly neighborhood Rushcast uh, hitchhiker here. Just walking on my uh, little break. For my job, I want to chime in really quick about Time Stand Still. I was able to see the DVD. I didn't get a chance to go uh, to the movie theaters to see it, unfortunately. And also, I want to say I'm sorry I couldn't make your uh, New York City uh, meetup. I really wanted to go, but with the snow, I was just un- just not really uh, able to get there. Um, so I do apologize for that. Anyway, as far as the DVD is concerned, I very much enjoyed it. My favorite aspect of the whole DVD documentary was just seeing things that you never hear about the band, behind the scenes kind of things. Because as popular as this band is for spanning 40, about four decades, is that you know you don't really know much about them, which is amazing in this day and age. And my favorite part by far was just hearing Neil Peart's explanation as to why this was going to be the last tour and why he wanted to ramp it down. Like we all knew that you know drumming as hard as he does and everything that he does for the band, it, it takes a toll on him, and it's you know four decades that's going to do that but seeing him actually say it because the guy really does interviews that was my favorite part by far and then just the other little stories like the the truck driver the crew that's been with him forever when the truck driver got married Alex rode in the cab with him and got drunk with his uh, fiance while he was driving through the night just stories like that it was just just amazing like the concert footage is always good seeing the people that like the band that's always good you know I know this band has touched so many people I mean, ever, ever since I saw the Subdivisions video back in, what, August of 2000, I was hooked instantly. So I know exactly how these people feel, and they've been fans of the band since their beginning. So just amazing. But I think in, in closing, my favorite part of the whole video, uh, the whole documentary, was just seeing Neil Peart speak, you know, actually on film, actually, like, speak from the heart, telling the reasons why he was calling it quits, and hearing Getty's... Uh, Hearing Getty's thoughts on it, how you know he was pissed in the beginning, but he understands. It's just, it was a nice change because, like I said, as popular as this band is, you know sometimes you just don't know anything about them, and I think that's amazing. All right, thanks, Jay. Keep up the good work, and uh, I'm gonna see if I can catch a ride now. Nobody's pulling over. Talk to you later. Yeah, <laughs> good luck with that ride, Jason. Uh, you, you, you're right. 
and I want to say this about uh, the documentary as like a as a piece of art, like as a finished product, extremely well done. It, it was a gr- a good looking final product. I loved the uh, obviously the, like interviewing the truck driver and things like that, and then the animations that went along with the stories. It was a really nice film um, by itself. So great job. Uh, but yeah, you, you make a, a good point that I haven't talked about yet, and that's that I didn't realize how much pain Neil was in. I didn't realize like how many little things can go wrong when you're on the road. He's talking about his feet bothering him, right, and playing through all that pain. Uh, that's something I think that's happened. I remember, remember his arm was jacked up like a couple decades ago on tour, and he still played the show. Like I think he's been doing I bet on every tour he's had some kind of problem, however minor. Uh, and I think that's thing. Those are things we tend to forget about if we're not careful. Hi, Jay. It's Dad Mantis here. Just wanted to check in and uh, give you my two cents on Rush's Time Stand Still DVD, which is very appropriately named because I think we all want time to stand still and not have these guys go off into the sunset. We want them to stay and play, but it's not going to happen. So anyway, here's my two cents. On what I think about that DVD. First of all, I think Rush, as they always have been, are phenomenally brilliant in what they do and how they've handled their careers. And what I mean by that is they could have easily just come out and said, this is our farewell tour and we're going to be done and you're not going to see us much anymore. And everybody would have panicked and flipped out and chaos would have ensued, but they did not. They did a tour celebrating their 40 years of playing together, and as we all know, it was a phenomenal tour, but there was always this underlying speculation, is this going to be their last tour? Well, it ends, we all wonder, and then out comes this DVD, which basically nails it down as, yes, they're not going to tour anymore. We still may see them here and there. Who knows? Maybe more. More uh, studio albums. Who knows? Nobody does. We all can just hope for the best. But the second takeaway I have is they also came across with this DVD and doing this last tour is basically saying if we wanted to, we could still play our freaking asses off. Oops. You probably have to go back and bleep that, but that's, you know. Um, they can play it better than anybody still. They just can't do it every day for two months in a row, which we all understand, especially some of us who realize aches and pains don't go away as quick as they used to. But in any event, we still have 40 years worth of music to enjoy and lots of DVDs now, too. So, well, enjoy the podcast. Okay, bye. Yeah, I would like to think we have more albums coming, and that's that was the the first instinct I had after our forty was like, all right, yeah, they're not going to do major tours anymore, which means they might that they might play a small tour, like maybe three shows in you know three cities that are kind of close to each other or something, uh, and we'll probably that means we might get more albums. I don't feel as optimistic about that now from the vibe of the documentary. It sounds like eh, not much is going to happen for a long time. I'm, I'd be more 
uh, I'd be less surprised if they released a single. I think if in five years Neil's like, all right, I kind of want to do that again. I don't want to tour at all, and I don't want to put in the energy to write an entire album. I can see them coming out with a Caravan and Brought Up to Believe single, right? A double-sided kind of deal. Um, Double-sided. But I can see that happening. Two new songs. And I I think the Beatles did stuff like that, right, later in their career. But they weren't releasing full albums. It was like, hey, here's a new song, if I remember correctly. Um, Anyway, yeah, I don't feel as uh, confident about a new album now. I mean, I'd, I'd love for that to happen, but we'll see. Michael Leone sent me an email regarding this topic he said i saw the documentary i thought it was very revealing and also a bit sad you could tell it was a swan song for the band i know they uh i know they just said retired from touring but the vibe is definitely that the band retired completely not just from touring but from recording or performing at all and i got the distinct impression that getty wasn't any too pleased with that decision but was willing to abide by it i think getty still wants to record and tour and maybe he will but not with alex and neil and not using the rush name so michael nails what i'm talking about which is that he's not gonna getty's not gonna play with alex and neil and it won't be called rush absolutely not but he's gonna do his own thing again uh I think Michael is completely correct when he says Getty was not happy. And he didn't even, tr- I don't even think he tried to hide it. I think there were times where you were like, man, that guy is kind of pissed. There were times where Getty was very not happy and he wasn't trying to sugarcoat it during the documentary. Um, and again, he says, yeah, they don't, it sounds like this is, this is it for good. But, um, you know, we'll see in the next three million years when we get another announcement. Old, rusty, and clunky ladder have you feeling sullen? Have you been skipping tasks and passing over chores? You need to try Jacob's Ladder. Our ladders are made from a proprietary woven polymer so strong you'll think you're dreaming. Follow Jacob's Ladder Corp. on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The other thing about that DVD, or the Blu-ray, I guess they're saying Blu-ray, is a lot of people are like refuse to own it, but it's got some really quality like gold material on the back end of it and the extras. There's a whole, and I didn't realize this until we owned it. Um, there's essentially a Presto live album. You can see footage from a Presto concert, and uh, which I've always said was this like weird hole in the catalog in terms of live albums we went from a show of hands all the way to different stages uh and we skipped those like 90s albums in the middle so this kind of fills that gap and and there's a lot to talk about there and i i think in maybe the next episode i'll go into detail a bit more i've watched it once i want to watch through it again and take some notes so i don't miss anything uh but that in itself i think is worth the the purchase of the hard copy just to see those and a lot of people i think uh i know some people who are like well i've seen that on i've got the the bootlegs i think you guys know i'm not like a bootleg guy i don't don't care if the band doesn't officially release it i'm like whatever i don't i don't need to see some handheld recording of a show maybe for a quick reference but i'm not going to sit down and watch the whole thing uh, i know a lot of you are different in that way but 
Uh, so some of you have seen it, but if you haven't, you should uh, you should check that out. We'll talk about it more down the road. A couple of weeks ago, I had a Rushcast meetup in New York City, where I am living, and uh, of course, it was the single, the one single day so far this winter where we had significant snowfall. So it snowed like crazy the whole day, and and most people canceled. Most of the people that were gonna. Uh, come hang out with us and have a drink uh, said they were kind of snowed in but I appreciate them you know uh, their willingness to come meet me had it been better weather I did have a couple of people come check this out uh, Alec Pulianis who was filled in for me on Rushcast before he took a bus from Baltimore Maryland <laughs> he took a bus from Maryland through the snow to come hang out with me for the day that was neat Uh and uh, my new friends, John and Steph, came from New Jersey, very close to where I used to live in Washington Heights, across the bridge. They came from, from New Jersey and hung out with me me and Alec for a couple hours. So uh, that was fun. Thank you to the three of you very much for coming to hang out. And for the rest of you in the area, uh, we're planning on doing something that we'll, we'll announce soon if I can get it to happen. But I want to do something else where we can kind of get together and uh hang out all right i want to do something new something different or maybe we we kind of teased this uh a few episodes ago and i want to see how this goes i'm just curious to see this this might be fun this might be lame i don't know we'll give it a try i think it i think it'll probably be interesting and fun to listen to uh i'm trying to think of things to kind of spice up the uh, the flow of the podcast. So, uh, without further ado, this I'm going to call this segment Surprise Survey. All right, I don't think I need to explain the, uh, our, our new segment, Surprise Survey. I don't think I need to explain it to you. I think once you hear it, you'll get the idea. So, here we go. Hello, this is Brian. Hey, Brienne, this is Jay Mantis at Rushcast. Tell me the first Rush song that pops into your head. Tom Sawyer. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Sorry. Hey, is this Trevor? Yeah. Trevor, you're on Rushcast. Tell me the first Rush song you could think of. Rush song? Yeah. Tom Sawyer. Perfect. Thank you so much. No problem. Hello? Hey, is this Paul? It is. Paul, you're on Rushcast. Tell me the first Rush song you can think of. The what? The first Rush song that pops into your head. Uh, I don't know Rush. You don't know Rush. Perfect. Thank you. Hello? Hey, is this Tom? Yes. Tom, you're on Rushcast. What's the first Rush song that pops into your head? I'm sorry? I said you're on Rushcast, a Rush podcast, and what's the first Rush song that pops into your head? I I don't... I'm not a Rush fan, so I don't know. Okay, thank you so much. Bye. All right, well... <laughs> the, the other nine people I was going to call, or that I did call, that I had on my list, did not pick up their phone. So uh let's let's tally him up. 
we have two votes for Tom Sawyer, one vote for I don't know Rush, and one vote for I'm not a Rush fan. Um, <laughs> I thought, you know, whatever. It's a goofy thing. I thought maybe it would give people a story to tell. Some random guy called me today and asked me to name a Rush song, and then I hung up on him angrily. <laughs> anyway. I guess Tom Sawyer is the most recognizable Rush song, in case you guys weren't aware. We know the answer now. What has the mightiest voice but makes no sound? Money, of course. You hear all the time about saving and investing. But who really has a handle on all the finer points of managing your income? The experts over at the Manhattan Project, started in 1985 by an intrepid trio of investment geniuses, with grand designs and righteous inspirations, TMP prides itself on efficiency and helpfulness. Based in New York but available in hundreds of territories, TMP has thousands of agents ready to turn your hard-earned cash into big money. Call us today at 1-888-1001 or visit our website at TMP Around the World for a free consultation. That's TMP Around the World. Okay, so the last uh, couple episodes of the live album series, or I guess I should say the last one, it was R40, I brought up an Easter egg. (laughs) I gave you the exact moment, the exact second you should move the Blu-ray disc to to see the Easter egg. And the first person to find it, um, I couldn't find the original conversation. I talked to him so long ago. Uh, I think it was on Twitter. He was. I know a couple people on Twitter got it. So if you don't know what the Easter egg is, go look. But it's Getty Lee being amazing be, and, and somehow being in two places at once. Uh, uh, but Darren P. got the R40 Easter egg first. So I told him I'd give him a little shout on the podcast for uh, actively going out and trying to figure out what that was, including others. But Darren got there first. Nice job, man. All right, let's do let's do something we haven't done in a while, a digital discussion. This one's from Patrick Mileham. He says, what is... Your go-to song for someone when they say they don't like Rush because of Getty's voice. I'll, he says, I always assume people mean Getty's shrieking, singing in the 70s, and the radio songs. Do I go Dreamline, Far Cry, Bones? I just never know. Patrick, this is a good question. I've thought about this in the past because uh, I noticed that Presto and Roll the Bones were... And I the only reason I noticed this was because... We would throw these, like, you know, uh, these these very lazy, like, Rush cover bands together. These, like, really slapdash cover bands. And I would end up singing. And I can't sing, especially not that high. So uh, I noticed that if I'm going to sing The Pass or Dreamline, they were much easier to sing. Anything off of Presto and Roll the Bones was much more doable. We did Heresy, I think, too. We played Heresy one time. That was fun. That was the other Bones track. Um, but then I realized, man, this all, both of these albums, the whole albums are, or both of the albums are very low for Getty. Like, Available Light, there's a couple where they get kind of high, but they're not shrieky for sure. And I know there's the shrieky stuff in the 70s, but Patrick's right. Even, like, I don't know, uh, 
you know, Tom Sawyer, that's not shrieky. That's not the shrieky era. It's still really high, and people don't like his voice often. Uh, so I think it's a good question. We have a bunch of people that chimed in here. Let's see. Uh, Judah Rice says, I think anything from Signals is good. Subdivisions, Countdown, etc. Losing it. The whole album is rather low, relatively speaking. Gant Taylor says, The songs that Patrick suggested, meaning Dreamline and Far Cry, uh, well, he didn't say Far Cry, but that's also not bad. Uh, he says those are good responses. Uh, other more recent songs that feature Getty's voice are Animate, Bravado, One Little Victory, The Pass, and Headlong Flight. I wouldn't call Headlong Flight. I don't know if Headlong Flight is too low to sing, but he says they're uh, that they, they feature his voice. Uh, Gant continues, while I believe the premise of the question focuses on non-fam's perception of Getty's voice, let me spin it in a different way. When I first discovered Rush, I somewhat heard past Getty's voice and was enamored by the lyrics and musicianship. Eventually, I learned to like Getty's voice for what it was, part of the ensemble that makes up the Rush sound, along with their playing. Unfortunately, some non-fans cannot get past this hurdle and move on. So, to turn on someone who is a non-fan or just curious about Rush, I would recommend taking the approach of downplaying Getty's voice while accentuating the stellar musicianship like La Via Strangiato, Xanadu, YYZ, 2112, or uh, or evocative, inspiring lyrics like Anthem, Something for Nothing, Cygnus Book 2, Mission, several others I listed above, or most songs from each album. Uh, that's an interesting point. It reminds me of when I got into Rush, and I was still kind of a young kid, and I it took me a few weeks for my dad to convince me that it was not a female vocalist, and because uh, I, I hadn't seen him yet. But I also, I didn't listen to the 70s stuff for a long time because I didn't like it. It took me a little bit to warm up and go, oh, I see, this is a different vibe. Because remember, like, I was listening to Hold Your Fire. Hold Your Fire was one of the first albums I was listening to and really loved. So to go back and hear, um, I don't know, something shrieky, like a something for nothing, you know, I, I didn't like it. But now I love it. It's just a different thing. It's a good point. Uh, David Marath says, the short answer is anything from Presto or Counterparts. So we're going to add Counterparts into that thing that I was talking about. He says, Getty's vocals are at their peak on these two cleaner, if not always quieter, albums. Available Light is a standout, but there are many more examples throughout the catalog, like Making Memories, Lakeside Park, Cinderella Man, Countdown, Mission, Vapor Trails, uh, Vapor Trail, I mean, The Garden, and others. Another good one is No One at the Bridge, which throws in some classic Getty Screech. James Millsap says, "Go to the so- uh, My go-to song regarding Getty's voice, and for other reasons, is Ghost of a Chance. And he says, also, the more I listen to it, Halo Effect. Halo Effect stays down there, I think. The whole thing does not get super energetic. Uh in the grand scheme of things, but ghost of a chance, geez, man, another one off of bones. That's in a range where just about any other rock singer could sing it easily. If I could sing it, certainly any rock singer could do it. Brian Dar. I met a woman in 1997 with some background in vocal performance. We married two years later, not a rush. She's not a rush fan. She hated the shrieking. However, when I played the rush, 
of the 90s, she had a very different opinion. She appreciates Getty's voice more when he isn't screaming. She likes Roll the Bones and Counterparts. Dreamline, Roll the Bones, and Animate are her favorite Rush tunes. Interestingly, she likes My Favorite Headache better than all the Rush material. She still thinks, or she thinks Still and Grace to Grace are terrific. I would agree with that. Uh, we'll come in full circle here a little bit on this episode where I think we're going to get more of My Favorite Headache. Maybe we'll get My Second Favorite Headache will be the name of his next album. Matthew Snyder says, I've used Cold Fire for this. Getty sticks to his low end. The song rocks and the lyric inspires conversation. Also a fine Alex solo. Yeah, absolutely on the solo. Uh, that one does stay pretty low. And, and it, we've talked about how he uses like the dialogue, the back and forth dialogue effect, something kind of fresh lyrically. Um, and I think that goes in part, like Getty did his best to make it sound like uh, speaking instead of singing there. Uh, but I hadn't really thought about it. That's a good point. The rest of the song never really gets too high, except maybe the the chorus right before the... I'm trying to think. The chorus right before the solo, where he goes, I'll be around if you don't get me... Yeah, if you don't let me down too far, and all that. He he gets up there there, but not much past that. Hey, Jay. First of all, I want to thank uh, listener Patrick for reminding you of Digital Discussions again. That was one of my favorite parts of the show, and I'm glad that it's coming back. And I like the new format that we'll get to discuss it uh, before the show even goes on the air. So good job on that. As to the question, what song would I recommend if someone does not like Getty's shrieking voice, which most of my friends do not. They often tell me that his voice sounds like, and I quote, uh, his nuts are stuck in a vice, to be frank. Um, Anyway, I try to tell them that he doesn't sound like that, but it's to no avail. But if I was going to play a song for them, it would probably be either Red Barchetta or Alien Shore, because I don't think he really shrieks on either one of those songs. That would probably be my go-to songs. Maybe Vital Signs, maybe. Uh, Definitely not anything from the 70s, which is my favorite era uh, of Rush, as you know, Jay. Maybe some of your listeners know. So unfortunately, I wouldn't be able to play anything from the 70s. So I think I would definitely go with either Red Barchetta yeah, Red Bot Cheddar or Alien Shore. Keep up the good work. I love the live album series we just finished up, and uh, I also can't wait to see where Rushcast goes from here. Take care. And by the way, no hitchhiking. Too cold outside. Take care. <laughs> yeah, uh, it looks like Counterparts has been a theme with the digital discussion uh, uh, responses and and I think pre- I think we could say Presto Bones counterparts all consecutive albums are kind of falling under this umbrella, and I guess Signals would be a good example too. Like Judah said, I'm trying to think of other Signals tracks. Like Chemistry doesn't get too high, uh, Analog Kid doesn't go that high. Mm. Losing it does. I mean, yeah, I guess he's right. Signals in the same way. Hey Jay, it's Madison Vandenberg from Salt Lake City. Uh, Just with a response to your digital discussion prompt about uh, how or what the best tactic is for people that say that they don't like Rush because of Getty Lee's voice. And um, this is something that that I've had to, uh, I guess, come up with an answer to a couple of times uh, because of like my sister or or um, my my boyfriend most recently. And um, what I usually do is I, uh, so I, I take a stock of what the, what kind of music that person listens to just, 
you know, what their favorite kind of music is. And then I try to find, because we know that Rush has such a diverse sound, I'll try to go through and see if I can find um, a song that's a good example. It kind of echoes that sound that they already like. Um, that happens to include, or uh, or maybe they wouldn't have some of the, the shrieky ged stuff from like the 70s. So for instance, like my sister who does not like prog rock at all, absolutely loves the song The Garden. And in fact, she loves it so much that she actually has some of the lyrics on it, um, on like her Instagram about me section. So like she loves that song. And, and I think that's just a testament to um, the diversity of, of Russia's sound. Um, so that's, that's a great one to go to. Um, I I usually tend to go for Clockwork just because they've got you know that's it's a heavy album it's a really rock sounding album and I feel like that's a good stepping stone for people as they're you know getting to know it like you know I, I mentioned my boyfriend earlier he always said oh I hate Rush and you know because his dad hated Rush and um so I played him a couple of songs from Clockwork and he was like, "Man, this is actually really good because he's a musician and he appreciates the musicality." His his argument was that he just didn't like, you know, Shrieky Ged. Um anyway, this is getting really rambly, but just uh those were a couple of my thoughts and um keep it up. Love the show. Uh now, thank you Madison. I certainly have done that in the past with people who want a little bit of an introduction. It's like, where does a super fan start? When you have all 20 albums, you you hold them all to the same standard. And you think equally of all of them. How do you just, you know, you don't just like hand them, I was going to say hand them moving pictures. I suppose you could just give them moving pictures and say, you start here. Uh, but maybe this is because of how I started, which was with Spirit of Radio compilation, which kind of was uh, a bigger umbrella, so to speak. But I've done I've done mixes. I've given people a CD of 25 songs, maybe like some of my I think the best tracks from each album or something, and or maybe an era, and said, "Tell me what which four tracks you like best." And then based on that, I'm like, "Oh well, you want that you would like this era better." And then I say, "Okay, here you go. You start with Moving Pictures, Signals, Grace Under Pressure, or something." Uh, I think that's a good way to go. A good accurate way to do that. Hey Jay, I want to answer my own question about what song to give people who don't like Getty's voice. People who don't like Rush just because of Getty's voice. Um, so obviously I'm not going to give them anything from the 70s. Uh, most people who know the radio are going to know Free Will, Tom Sawyer, Spirit of Radio, Limelight. So I'm not going to give them any of those either. I would go with something past 1990. So my first thought would be Roll the Bones. Roll the Bones, um, when I was a new Rush fan, was really, it was a single. Um, and I say that being a new fan at Rush in Rio. Uh, I think you and I came in about the same time. So, but I'm also afraid the rap section towards the end is going to throw these people off and they're going to just, they're not going to be able to focus on 
on the song. They're going to laugh at, at, at the skeleton. So my second choice is going to be Dreamline. Um, that may be an odd choice, but I think it's something that's solid. I think it's accessible. And I think if somebody can listen to Dreamline and give it a chance, then they could give something else a chance. I think it can give Show Don't Tell a chance. They can give stuff off counter counterparts. Animate. I know people really love it, and I really love it too, and Counterparts is one of my favorite albums, but I, I would want to hear something else. Um, stick it out, maybe. Just don't show them the video. Yeah. <laughs> Anything past that. Any of the singles. Any of the Test for Echo singles. Any of the Clockwork singles. Any of the Snakes singles. Go for it. Yes. But let's start out with Roll the Bones and Dreamline. All right. Thanks, man. Bye. It's a good point. I think what that, by the way, that was Patrick who proposed the question to begin with. Uh, I'm thinking you have to kind of consider, like, you can't just show them. What was the song you just said to there? Uh, you can't really show them a roll the bones because you're you're trying. Yes, it's a low singing, but you're also trying to get them to think positively about the band. You're picking one or two songs to represent the rest of the repertoire, which we know is impossible. But that's what they are asking of us. So, uh, you know, this is where I would go back to some of the singles. Like I'm thinking about the Spirit of Radio compilation, and going back to what Judas said with signals. New World Man would would probably be a good bet. Not to say New World Man represents the rest of the catalog. No song does. But uh, it was a hit. You know what I mean? It, it, at least it was a popular song. We're not talking about Anagram or something that no one's ever heard of. So, uh, you know, a good, good question, Patrick. Uh, and I look forward to doing more di- digital discussions uh, down the road. Hades' natural wildlife is becoming extinct. Prince Bytor has begun the culling of the snow dogs in the other underworld, but you can help for just $5 a month. You can sponsor one of these beautiful snow dogs. You'll re- you will receive a welcome package upon sponsorship, complete with photographs of your snow dog and a plush toy complete with coal black eyes. Save the underworld. Sponsor a snow dog today. Okay, so as you can see, this episode was a bit more user-based, right? Um, if you would like to participate, for example, like the digital discussion we did today is closed. So we're, we're no longer going to have me propose the question, you send me stuff, and then next week I give you the answer. We're just going to, I'm going to propose the question to people on the mailing list. You guys send me the the responses. I'll read, I'll propose the question and give the responses in the same episode. It'll be a little bit more well-rounded so if you'd like to be on our mailing list so you can participate in future episodes uh just send me an email and tell me you want to be on the mailing list and you'll start getting those emails and and being part of the discussion for the podcast again it's rushcast2112 at gmail.com you can also just send me an email for the heck of it if you want uh yeah keep your eyes open because i'm gonna you should follow us on twitter because Facebook's making it so hard to just have a page and run it well. And I'm really struggling to get the Facebook account rolling. But Twitter is a much easier thing to operate. Uh, So 
follow us on Twitter at RushCash2112. That's where I do. That's where you'll find the most up to date stuff about the podcast. Uh, in the future, by the way, speaking of that mailing list, I mentioned this briefly, and I want to get on it. I want to have Dylan and Matt back to do a rematch of the grand finale from the trivia series this summer. Remember, it went right down to the wire. Uh, the winner won by one point, and there was extreme controversy over the fairness of the question that decided it all. So, uh, I'd like to have a rematch with those two guys, bring them back on, but I want you, the listeners, to send me questions. So, I won't be creating these questions. It'll more so be um, me deciding which questions to use. So, send me any questions you have that are Rush-related, and... Uh, I'll decide which ones I want to pick, and I'll probably pick most of them, uh, and then we'll ask Dylan and Matt on the air. We'll have like a, a rematch. I think it'll be fun. I haven't really asked those two if they're okay with that. I'm just <laughs> I'm going to force them to answer more rush questions. I look forward to it. All right, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. I'm glad to have you back listening to the show, and we'll uh, we'll have another episode here soon. I promise. See ya. <laughs> Hey, is this Joey? This is he. You're on Rushcast. Tell me the first Rush song that pops into your head. Malignant Narcissism. (laughs) Malignant Narcissism. Uh, What is your favorite lyric from Malignant Narcissism? Um, There are none. Why did you choose malignant narcissism? Because we've called other other randos today on the show, and we asked them, what is the first Rush song you can think of? And and the, the score, we only got a hold of four people who would answer my call, and we got two for Tom Sawyer, and we got one for I Don't Know Rush, <laughs> and another one for I'm Not a Rush Fan. And then you said malignant narcissism. Which kind of just saved the day. So where did that come from? Um, I think that's the only Rush song that I actually know the name of. And I have you to thank for that, because I think, I think we tried to practice it when we were in Thumbs Down. Our, cover, our classic rock cover band, Thumbs Down, back in the day. We tried to cover yeah. Malignant Narcissism. I don't have a shred of memory for that. I don't remember that at all. I don't know if we were actually going to play it as part of the band, but it was like during that time period. That's fascinating because they're they're that's a song only hardcore fans know. There's no casual person on the street wearing a Led Zeppelin shirt that knows malignant narcissism. Yeah, you gave me like a handful of songs to listen to. I think that was like the main one that you wanted me to learn. I see. <clears throat> It's a good song. Yeah, I like it. It is pretty straightforward when it comes down to it compared to other Rush songs. Uh, well, and there's no there's there's no lyrics, right? That right, yeah. There's no lyrics. It's instrumental. Okay.